Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. So this is my first ever podcast, and I'm kind of winging it here although I have done something similar to this in the past. Okay, it was nearly 35 years ago. Back then, when I was in college, I had a radio show on WRUV-FM, the campus station at the University of Vermont. And here I am doing a broadcast of a different kind all these years later. I'm going back to something I love to help people like me who have suddenly found themselves becoming a parent to their parent. Or maybe you're caring for a loved one who's not your parent. The point is, we're stressed, and we don't always know where to turn for help. Welcome to the sandwich generation, where you're caring for the generation above you and the one below you. Or if you're like me, and you don't have kids, you're in the category of what's called an open-faced sandwich. I'm one of three siblings a middle child, and I'm middle-aged. I'm single, but for a while there, I thought I was married to my mother. My mother is now 86 years old, and the two of us have been on quite a journey together in the last five years. It was about that long ago that my father died of a heart attack. He was 79 years old, which isn't exactly young, but his death was unexpected because he'd always been active and if he had any ailments, he certainly never complained about them. Both of my parents had always been active, and when my father died, my mother was so devastated, she said to me, and I quote, my life is over. My parents had been married for 56 years. Well, I didn't want my mother's life to be over, but keeping her alive presented some complications, because at the time of my father's death, my mother wasn't just grieving and disengaged from life, she was 80 years old. Someone had to make sure she took her medications. And someone had to take her to medical appointments and schedule those appointments for her. Because under the circumstances, she probably would have forgotten to make the appointment. Or she wouldn't feel the need to see a doctor. Why bother if, as she said, her life was over? My mother would also probably need help managing the house. And of course she would want to remain in the house, because that's where she'd spent some of the best years of her life. In fact, my parents had lived in their house for 40 years. So after my father died, I made the decision to leave L.A., where I was living at the time, and I moved back into my childhood home in North Bethesda, Maryland, to care for my widowed mother, so she could remain in her home, which is where she wanted to be. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, or how hard it was going to be. I never knew what was coming next, and I hardly ever had time for my own needs. I was pulled in so many different directions, I often didn't know whether I was coming or going. 
but over time, I learned to just roll with it and expect the unexpected. I got used to a new version of my mother and a new version of me. I wound up living with my mother for three years. She now lives in Florida, near my younger sister, who I've passed the baton to in terms of being our mother's primary caregiver. But before moving to Florida, mom lived for about a year and a half in a retirement home in Washington, D.C. I lived nearby, having moved into a place of my own by then. Here's a typical conversation between us from that time period. So how are you this morning? I'm kind of depressed, yeah. Oh. Did you have a hard time sleeping last night? No, I just feel low. Oh. Uh, You know, like, I was like, I don't know, I should, I should, I shouldn't bother you with it, but it's just. It's okay. It's just, I feel lonely. Yeah. Not all of our conversations were like that. But whenever I would hear my mother sounding so sad, I would always try to make her feel better, the way she always made me feel better when I was hurting as a child. Often it worked. Here's how our conversation went later that same day. Hello? Hello? Helen? Yes? Guess who? I can't guess. (laughs) I don't want to make a mistake. (laughs) Oh, come on. You don't recognize the voice of your daughter? Well, you change her around a lot. You're trying to put me on. <laughs> anyway, how are you, sweetheart? I'm ready for the camera. <laughs> you sound a lot better than you did this morning. Yeah, I bucked up a little. So what did you do today? I did a lot of reading, and I talked to a couple of people on the telephone. Well, yeah. you still want to go out for dinner? Absolutely. Okay. <gasps> okay, well, I just wanted to let you know that I'm leaving in about 10 minutes. All right, sweetheart. See you soon. All right, sweetie. Love you. Love you. Bye. We went out as planned, and we had a great time. And I felt better knowing I could do something to brighten my mother's mood. It's empowering to be able to do something for someone you love. I got into the habit of calling my mother every day when she lived in the retirement home. And often when I called, I would ask my mother questions designed to keep her mind sharp. Here's an example of that. So what's in the news today? Hold on, hold on. Okay. Hello, Helen? Okay, I got the comics going here. (laughs) I was hoping for something a little bit more, I don't know, substantial. (laughs) Just just a minute. We'll see how substantial I can get. Okay, Mom. Okay, hold on. Let's not step away from the phone for too long, okay? I'm on the phone. I'm hanging on to it securely. (laughs) Okay. Jesus. Just a second, I'll see if I can get what's going on in the world. Well, it talks about the dramatic turn with China, if you want to know that. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) A daughter can only hope to have so many laughs with her mother to hold on to. But it needs to be said that just as my mother felt lonely in that earlier phone call, I, too, often felt alone when we lived together, and I was struggling to keep up with the demands of being her primary caregiver. Well, it turns out I wasn't alone. The results of a recent study by the American Association of Retired Persons, also known as the AARP, show that every year, 42 million family caregivers provide care for aging parents, 
spouses, aunts, uncles, friends, or other loved ones so they can live independently at home, which is where the majority want to live. So, 42 million caregivers. To put some perspective on that, the U.S. population is roughly 321 million people. So 42 million caregivers is a little less than one-eighth of the population. That's 42 million people taking time out of their days to help with daily tasks such as eating, dressing, bathing, and transporting a loved one to a medical appointment or performing nursing tasks. And guess what? They're all doing it for free. The value of this unpaid care is estimated to be around $450 billion annually. And here's another statistic that probably won't surprise you. The typical family caregiver is a 49-year-old woman taking care of a 69-year-old woman who's most likely to be her mother. And she's providing an average of 24 hours per week of assistance to her loved one. Caring for a loved one can be an isolating experience, but it doesn't have to be. Nor should the aging process be something we fear and don't want to talk about. In fact, making your voice heard might actually be beneficial for you and members of Congress. Voters polled in the AARP survey overwhelmingly said they would think more highly of members of Congress if they saw the light and improved resources for family caregivers. These days, we're living longer than ever, but we live in a youth culture where talking about aging is awkward or taboo or not even on the radar. I started this podcast to try and change that, to shake up the conversation about caregiving and aging in general, because the joy of being alive is about making every moment count at every age and under even the most difficult of circumstances. As for my mother and me, the two of us survived one of the most difficult periods in our lives through love, humor, and sheer force of will, just like the other 42 million people caring for a loved one today. I want to urge everyone to check out the website for the White House Conference on Aging. It's a huge project with lots of great resources to tap into. There are four focus areas, retirement security, healthy aging, programs for people who need help to continue living independently and for family members who care for them, and elder justice. Go to whitehouseconferenceonaging.gov and share your ideas. Get involved. And one last thing. If, like me, you're lucky enough to still have a parent on this planet, give them a call. Well, I'm not high maintenance or sort of medium maintenance. <laughs> you can deal with medium Low maintenance, no. <laughs> Boring. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can email me at jana at agewise.com. That's J-A-N-A at A-G-E-W-Y-Z. Or Z, as my Canadian mother says. You can also find me online at agewise.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast and download any episodes for free at iTunes. I'm Jana Panaritis. See you next time. Until then, age well. Age wise. <laughs>